Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Joe G at Z1897, Sean M, and Luke A. On Smith Weekly discussions today is Jim Sykes. Jim is the Chief Executive Officer at Baseload Energy, an exploration-focused company working in the Athabasca Basin, Canada. Baseload has a number of exploration projects, including Hook, Accio, Catharsis, and Shadow. Baseload is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol FIND and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol BSENF. Jim, thanks for coming back on the program. Always happy to be here, Andrew. Why don't we just get right into it here, Jim? Why don't you give us your concise thoughts on the uranium sector for 2023 and what immediately stands out to you? It's a beautiful space right now. I, I thought every, everything since 2021, even 2020, has been absolutely amazing. But just seeing what's happening globally is phenomenal. Two years ago, if you would have asked people about nuclear energy, they would have laughed at you and said, no, nuclear is dead. You know, everyone's trying to get away from it. You ask people nowadays and everyone's all, yes, we need nuclear energy. People are coming around to it. The governments are coming around to it more so. And we're seeing more build-outs. We're seeing the highest demand for nuclear energy in our civilization's history. So this is an excellent time to be in the uranium space. I, I like to make the comparison back to the last bull run. So back in 2004, 2005, 2006 era. You look at all the mines that were operating around there, there's quite a number of mines. You, you, you had a couple of mines per each continent pretty well. But now a lot of operations have curtailed. So your demand is basically soaring, but your supply has diminished. This is a great opportunity for investors to really get in and take hold of the uranium space. It definitely stacks up, hadn't it? Especially over all these years and just the amount of it's ultimately to come down, right? Where you have a decade plus of bad news in the sector. And now you're going to have a long period of time of absolute good news in my view. And it almost gets me a little bit scared is like, you'd like to see everything kind of just calm down for a while and continue to selectively purchase these equities and write checks. But that time will eventually come to the end and we have to warm up to that uh, reality. Anyway, we'll see what happens in 23 here. Latest updates at the company. Why don't you kick us off here with baseload specific details? Give us the key items over the past six months of what's been accomplished at baseload, but also what you expect to be getting done during 2023. And while we're on this, why don't we just cover off the project priorities at Hook, Accio, and Catharsis? Yeah, we'll cover that off in 2023. But past six months, we were focused on the Accio discovery and we had some amazing results. We've discovered mineralization as shallow as between 25 to 30 meters from surface. That hasn't been discovered in the Athabasca area since, well, decades. I'm talking 30 to 40 years since the last open pit mines. And when you consider that open pit mining is really what built the basin, every mill that was put into place in northern Saskatchewan was all because of the open pits. The reason MacArthur River and Cigar Lake are operational today are because the mills were already built off the open pits. 
So open pit mining has a has a robust and magnificent history in the Athabasca. So it's something that should be considered as a as a target moving forward. And that's that's our approach to what we're looking for. Accio is, is proving to be that extremely shallow mineralization, very high grades. We've seen over 30 meters at about 0.9% starting at those at those shallow depths. And we continue to build that out. We had we completed over 22,000 meters, completed 80 drill holes on Accio alone. It was absolutely great. We hit everything that we wanted to hit. We developed our, our geological models, so we have a much better understanding of, of what's going on at Accio. That provides us the information for what we really need moving forward. We completed a 3 million bot deal raise in November, December of last year. So all flow through, and that's that's going forward to fund our current catharsis exploration program, which we have ongoing right now. About 30% of that flow through placement will go into catharsis, and then the remainder all goes into Accio. So for, for the plans moving forward, 2023, Accio is still priority number one. I've been asked a number of times why we are drilling catharsis now and not Accio. I'm always happy to reiterate the reasons behind that. And it's basically just, it comes down to logistics. Accio is a helicopter supported company. We don't have trail accessibility in there. And operating in the wintertime with a helicopter, you've got limited daylight hours, but also the helicopter has to make more flights to supply fuel to keep the camps warmer and keep the drills warmer. So that's, it just adds a lot of cost that way. When we go back in the springtime, summertime, our helicopter costs are reduced as are a lot of other costs such as heating. And that brings our dollar per meter down significantly. And so we, we can go further with our shareholder money with exploring Accio in the spring and summertime, which provided an excellent opportunity to get to catharsis because our targets are basically right off the highway. Our camp is right off the highway, so you eliminate all of the helicopter requirements. Catharsis did need some exploration done on it just to, to put some funds into assessment credits. So we're there now. Uh, we've announced that we were mobilizing the drill. Uh, we'll have news coming out on Monday that we are drilling. We've got an interesting target with a lot of similarities to the to next gen's Arrow and Fission's Triple R discovery in the Patterson Lake corridor. And we think that it, it has the right characteristics to bear fruit. And we're hoping that our drill targets will be successful. Catharsis will be a small drill program, about 2,000 meters, eight drill holes planned. Depending on what we see, we could either increase or decrease that. But as I mentioned, Accio is our priority focus. And we will be looking to get back to Accio in, in mid-March, early April and start off with, with one drill to start, and we'll focus on that, the shallow mineralization as much as possible. And then we'll bring in, look to bring in the second drill and continue defining the deposit. Because our, our end goal by Q4 of this year, or even Q, Q1 of next year, is to have an, an initial NI43-101 resource completed. We think that having shallow pounds in the ground is a lucrative opportunity for any company in the world to have at their disposal. Being so close to a, a mill with capacity, and if nobody's followed the chemical news, yeah, MacArthur River's back up and running. The Key Lake Mill is back up and running. We're a stone's throw away from an operational mill, and we're hoping that we could really get in there. 
As far as everything else, we've got a large drill program planned for, for Accio. We'd like to get another 15 to 20,000 meters drilled there this throughout 2023. We've also got about 5,000, well, 2,500 to 5,000 meters of exploration targets planned for, for the Hook project as well. So in surrounding areas, areas surrounding Accio within a kilometer, kilometer radius, but also targets that are further out. So it's a big year planned for, for baseload at Accio and, and Hook. And if, if we're successful at Catharsis, then that's going to, I'm not going to say pose a problem. It's a good problem to have because then it's, you know, what do you focus on at that point? But we'll get there. We'll get there when we know. Well, you just have to scale up and do both, Jim, and I think you can do that, yeah. and the market conditions are probably conducive to doing that, and if the company is successful, you'll probably be able to pull that off. But, no, I think this is very reasonable, how you bring this forward and how you propose to look at this. One of the things as well is, you know, you've got a substantial amount of juniors coming into this Athabasca Basin. When I look at the map of uranium globally, you throw up on the board the pens of all the companies and the deposits on the map, there's not enough space in Athabasca Basin for me to put all my pins in the board. Granted, I'm looking at a North America map, not zoomed in. And what I mean by that is, is this place is extremely crowded and it's only going to get worse. So lots of juniors coming in, promising things. As you know, the good bulk of them will be promotions. Some of them, as you know, have been legacy companies that have kind of survived during the last cycle. As you know, there's a few companies out there that have a simple thesis as basically a legacy company from last cycle and you ask them what they do and they say, oh, we've got a chemical JV into the discussion, right? Now let's not get into the fact that that was actually a legacy JV, but let's quit with the fun and games. But what do you think is the future there in terms of consolidation? Do you think that there is consolidation to be had? Obviously the companies that actually bring forward legitimate deposits are going to stand above the rest. But what's your thoughts on this dynamic and the fact that this area is the most crowded area on the map? Tricky question. I guess consolidation would really, yeah, you'd focus on the deposits first. And, and we're seeing with UEC coming in and acquiring the Rough Rider deposit from Rio Tinto, acquiring the UEX assets uh, and UEX in, it, in itself. So we're starting to see that consolidation happening. Are we going to see it from more of the companies that are within the Athabasca itself. So your, your larger companies, your Cameco's, Arano's, uh, NextGen's, Denison's. Very good question. I honestly really don't know. If anybody who, who knows me really well, yeah, you know that I usually dump on a lot of the deposits out there because I think they're, they're too deep and too difficult to mine. They're either not high enough grade or not large tonnage, which is why we look for the open pit strategy. If there is consolidation, I think it would I think it would be mostly around those style of, of deposits if more of them are discovered. Like I take our example with our neighbors 92E to the north. I think that's a great consolidation story right there because you'd you'd get two sides of the deposit put together, whether it's baseload go after 92E or vice versa, or another company comes in and swoops both of them out. I think that's probably one of the most lucrative positions out there in the basin. But as far as as far as consolidating for the for the purpose of exploration, I think that could be a big cash drain for for any company. If you notice what we do at Baseload, we're we're very limited on our packages, on our exploration packages, but we're happy with with the grounds that we have. They were staked before the big rush, and we got the grounds that we thought looked best for for 
mineralization potential and and hooks already shown that right yeah it's a very popular area and definitely some of the points you bring up key with respect to some of the actions surrounding open pit conventional very interesting bit there and i always appreciate your comments on it coming from a guy that spends a lot of time there talk about your athabasca 2.0 thesis and why grade isn't necessarily king in this specific case as I mentioned earlier, it's all about open pit mining. And when you look at the, the history, the legacy of open pit mining within the Athabasca Basin, they're not high-grade deposits. If you, if you go up to Uranium City, which were the, the first open pits, their average grades are anywhere between 0.15 to 0.25, and they even went underground at those grades. Sure, it was between the 1950s to the 1980s, and, and things were different back then. But even rabbit lake rabbit lake was one of the the biggest open pit deposits i think it was over it was definitely over 30 million pounds the average grade was about 0.3 percent so not not your typical one percenters clough lake itself the the open pits there were five open pits out of there where they mined i think it was 20 million pounds or 16 million pounds the average grades were variable they did have one deposit that had significantly high grades over one percent but then you look at some of the other ones they were between that 0.2 to 0.3 percent key lake probably the most recognizable and and my opinion is still the the best uranium deposit that's ever been mined out of the athabasca because it was two open pits with grades exceeding one percent and over 200 million pounds that mine probably had the best deltas out of any mine, even considering MacArthur River and, and its operations. But Clough Lake, Rabbit Lake, Uranium City, they were all mined at sub half a percent as open pits. If history can repeat itself, which you know, look, looking at the way humans operate, history does repeat itself quite frequently. I think what we're seeing at Accio has a lot of similarities to these deposits and has that potential to also be mined as such. Jim, on this topic, uh, this brings me into the discussion surrounding regulatory, which we have a few things to discuss here on this, but back to the mining methods being utilized in Athabasca. We know we got some projects that can come back that would be open pit conventional, but the bulk of it is being underground conventional today. And of course, not a lot in recent history, of course, and I'm not talking about the history that you just educated us on, but just in the recent history, call it the last 10 years, if you will, open pit operations are less than, of course, the underground conventional. And then now we have this uh, potential introduction of ISR, which could be coming down the pipe, and, and I'll reference over to Denison and what work they're doing on that front. Do you think open pit conventional for uranium mining is viable considering the regulatory environment? What's your thoughts here? Because I think this is important to kind of get your take on it because you are much closer to the regulatory than we are in Canada. And I'd like to get your thoughts on how open pit conventional can make a comeback. Yeah, I think it's quite possible. And one of the reasons why I believe that is the the grades. And one of the things to consider is that if you're, if you're mining 20% as an open pit, I think you might have some issues with the regulate, uh, regulatory bodies. Um, obviously, we're still looking for such deposits, but when your grades are that much lower, so given what we put out in a lot of press releases, uh, if, you do, if you do the math in our press releases, you'd see that we have an average grade of about 0.25, 0.3%. And given those grades, your, your risk of environmental contamination is significantly lower than anything that is 1%. 
you got at least a third lower. So it's it's a little bit in our in our opinion is is much easier to to move forward. And also make a point there that there's no conventional underground mining in the Athabasca. What they do there is definitely not conventional. With the the freeze curtains that are required for MacArthur River and Cigar Lake, those are expensive operations and they've also proven to be to have some safety and security issues with both mines having flooded twice. The safest way to move forward in the Athabasca still remains open pit mining. There hasn't been an open pit mine in the Athabasca since Key Lake shut down, I do believe. And that was, I think, right around the turn of the century. So around 2000, I think, when Key Lake shut down. There hasn't been an open pit mine since then, not because of regulatory issues, because there hasn't been a deposit discovered that's been open pitable. Sorry, uh, yeah, the Sioux deposits are mined in between 2003 to 2006. Right. I guess the nature of the question was more surrounding this slow, general anti-open pit conventional that's have occurred, at least in some jurisdictions. Some of the jurisdictions that are regulatory challenged, if you will, and certain jurisdictions are very welcoming to open pit mining versus others are permitting difficulties, not just specifically in Canada. And then you're absolutely right. I do stand corrected in respect. It's not true conventional underground with respect to those projects. They are very technically challenged and and I think Cameco has been a very nice model of being able to do that with little hiccups. I appreciate you clarifying that bit on it. Um, have you noticed just in the environment up there with respect to whether it be project development permitting, which I know you do follow, and then of course, just regular expiration permitting. Have you noticed recently any change in the regulatory side with respect to a little bit more incentive and motivation on the permitting speeds or openness to permit? Um, anything have you seen recently start to change as Canada's at least talking that they're more pro-critical mineral development, et cetera, that's starting to come out? At least, you know, we're hearing that. But if you use the U.S. as an example, we hear a lot of hot air coming out of Washington. However, uh, when it comes to actually permitting and regulatory, we're still seeing the same big challenges, even though supposedly these politicians, politics is weaponization of the agencies. But in the U.S., you're seeing a lot of positive talk, but little action on the ground. What's your thinking with respect to, you know, the regulatory environment, specifically, let's gear it in towards Athabasca? I would honestly have to agree that, yeah, there's a lot of smoke being blown with no real action behind it. It's, it's unfortunate to say that, but such is the reality of things. I, I think that things are still quite on pace and, and can be done in a reasonable time frame in the Athabasca. It would remain to be seen. Actually, yeah, like when I was just mentioning there at the, the very end about the Sioux deposits. So the Sioux deposits were open pit mines. Four of them were mined between 2005 to 2006, 2007. And you consider that how quickly they went into operation, well, quickly as a relative frame, but it doesn't look like it took them 20 years to get permits or 15 years. It looks like things were, things moved pretty quickly for those between five to 10 years. It helped that it was Arano, which was a big company, but that, I think that does show that the, the willingness to, you know, uh, the willingness to mine even open pit in the Athabasca is is still something that is doable within a significant time frame. Uh, 
stepping outside the basin, though, there's there's one thing that has really caught my eye when talking about the Canada and, and the critical minerals strategy is the Nachalacho deposit, rare earth deposit, being mined up in the territories, and that's like, that's it. It's it's an open pit mine. It's it's a rare earth mine. It's Canada's first rare earth mine. So I think that's a testimony to the to Canada's drive to really play a role in the critical minerals strategy on a global forum. And given that uranium is a critical mineral across the globe, that we think that the Athabasca and all the uranium in the Athabasca is is going to be something that needs to be considered as such and should should really the government should really be helping to push um, any any of these new projects moving forward. Yeah, it'll be good to see how things move forward here and the rubber's going to meet the road with respect to permitting and efforts to be able to bring some of these permit um, uh, cycle, I guess, for each of these development projects. As you know, I, I'm quite skeptical with respect to some of these projects being permitted on reasonable time frames, and I think we've started to to actually back that up now, being in the sector for six years or, or plus at this point, seeing that really it's starting to, to turn out that that is true. I think it also boils down to your ability and the team you use to be able to permit the characteristics surrounding the deposit as you bring up and are quite clear with, Jim, that looking at a shallow, lower grade, if you will, open pit operation. So let's stop on that. And I want to come back to capital structure, just get an update here, some of our new audience. And also just, we haven't uh, chatted with you for a while, but give us an update on the capital structure in terms of shares outstanding, the cash position, major shareholders, and what the outlook is on potential equity financing this year. Yeah, we've got about 90 million shares outstanding. I have about another 20 million shares in warrants and options. We just completed that flow through raise, the 3 million bought deal, November, December of last year. So that provides us some, some flow through capital to continue our work early into this year. We have about $4 million hard dollars in the bank as well. So that's excellent capital to retain our, our operations. GNA, you know, for a number of years, we're not in a tough situation to go back and, and try to raise money for that. But yes, we'll, we'll have to go back and raise some money to continue exploration at Accio. There's no doubt about it. We've budgeted about $13 million all in for exploration this year. That includes catharsis. We would need to put some more cash into the coffers and preferably flow through that we know we could expend by the end of this year. Appreciate that. And, you know, let us know how that goes. And then of course, you know, market conditions and then company specific success here could lead to a better share price for that financing. Um, talk just briefly about shadow and then any other things you'd like to uh, just cover off with the audience before we wrap it up. I can kind of use shadow as a segue into what we were just previously talking about the uh, regulatory situation in Canada and probably even globally, there's as far, as far as the regulatory situation goes, there is definitely more feedback and more say that is required from the, from the indigenous communities on any project. And that does add some time to help the regulatories kind of move forward. That does slow things down in the long run, but it's a good thing. It's, I think it's an absolute wonderful thing, just simply because the, you know, you're, you're working up in, in traditional lands and we want to preserve them for not just the communities that are there now, but for obviously their, 
their, their future's kids. But we, at the same time, we also want to make sure that these any of these operations from exploration to development and, and mining, that they produce a, a long-term employment opportunity for these community members while adhering to protecting the nature as, as much as possible and, and their livelihoods. So getting back to shadow, we still don't have social license with the community to go back and explore. I met with the chief and one of his counselors, uh, Cameron, our VP and myself, we met with the uh, chief and counselor, I think it was October of last year. And that was the first time I was able to do a face-to-face -face sit down with the chief since what happened in February of 2021. So a year and a half after we're back at the table and we're talking. You know, we gave them our plans and what we what we want to do with Shadow. To simply start, we're just looking at doing an airborne gravity survey. That would give us the targets that we need to just follow up with diamond drilling. We'd start with small programs and move forward. So everything since then is again kind of fallen on on the doldrums. We're following up with them to find out where we sit and if they if they want us to to get in and talk to the community again to give a full laydown of what we see happening and how how we would expect things to progress and what we would do to mitigate any of their rights on the lands or their traditional rights and livelihoods. It's a game of patience and, and waiting to a certain degree, but we haven't given up on Shadow. We still continue to think it's, a, it's an excellent project with a lot of opportunity. So we'll continue communicating our plans to the community and we can get something resolved and move forward. Yeah, I think these chiefs have a responsibility to their people. That Absolutely. responsibility brings in a lot of different things. Leadership, economic viability and growth, providing a certain level of standard of living. Things that you cannot depend on the government to just hand out because ultimately that's destructive. While it is addictive, it's destructive. You guys approaching this uh, from a community standpoint showing what you guys can do for the community in addition to exploring the grounds, their grounds to find stuff that could be economic for them and obviously support them. So, you know, I, I think doing that in a responsible way, Jim, absolutely makes sense. And uh, I commend you for putting forth the effort and actually going boots on the ground to be able to do this because so many people try to armchair this from their office and it just doesn't work. So let's leave it there for now and wrap up here. For potential investors who are listening in, Baseload Energy has a market capitalization of about 55 million Canadian. Why should investors consider Baseload now? Because I think we've got probably one of the best uranium deposits in the world in the making. Accio is near surface high grade uranium that has potential for very low capex requirements to become an open pit mine with hopefully the ability to have a toll milling agreement with Cameco at the at the Key Lake Mill, which would really reduce a lot of costs. Open pit mining does have lower operational costs than underground mining. So we think this whole operation has the potential to have very large, a broad delta to really provide some funds into the company and reward our shareholders with return on, on investment. Our other exploration projects are all top notch and we think they've all got the right potential to move forward. So yeah, we, we just think that we're the company who can not only deliver on success, but provide return on investment, which we've done for investors a number of times already.
And Jim, how should folks contact you? I'm available through email, jsykes at orgroup.ca. That's O-R-E-G-R-O-U-P.ca. You can also email Baseload directly. That's info at baseload.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on LinkedIn. Yeah, we'd be happy to meet new investors. I try to email every investor that, that I hear from. Always happy to meet new people. All right. Well, Jim, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck with Baseload, and we'll stay in touch. All right. Thank you very much, Andrew.